Hi, this is Scott Thompson. Welcome to the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends, feel free to subscribe. Coming up on today's show, an East-West discussion as we simulcast with Danielle Smith, host of Global News Radio 770 CHQR in Calgary, Alberta. Do we have anything in common with the West? And by now you've all seen the video of the elderly couple trying to cross the road to get into Mohawk College to watch Maxime Bernier speak and the alt-left protesters that tried to stop them from doing so. It's all coming up on the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. This is a great, unique opportunity we have right now to share views from the East and the West and the big election issues of the day. Uh, lots of ways to reach our show here, the Scott Thompson Show in Hamilton, Ontario. Uh, you can always send us a note, Scott Thompson at 900CHML.com. The phone lines are always open. Facebook and Twitter as well. Let's hook up now with Danielle Smith, host of Global News Radio 770 CHQR in Calgary, Alberta. Danielle, how you doing? I'm doing well, Scott. I'm so glad to be able to talk to you. And I should just say, because I've done a few of these before, that people are shy. And so if they want to get onto the phone lines, they should queue up now so that we can get right to them. Because um, I am I know my audience is really interested in hearing what folks in Hamilton have to say about the issues that are going to turn their vote in this election. Have you been doing a lot of talking about it? Oh, absolutely. Uh, pretty much every day. My goodness, it's, it's uh, been writing the show. But before we get into any of this, the first thing that I have to ask you is, what is the uh, weather like? in Calgary, Alberta right now. Yeah, it has been terrible. And I have a pretty long commute in the morning. It was So it was uh, pretty awful this on the weekend. But it's melting. This is the beautiful thing about our part of the world is that we have Chinooks periodically. Yes. So we're used to seeing... And that's that's kind of our snow clearing strategy for our city. They just wait for it all to melt. <laughs> Once you guys get the winter, though, I think it ends up sticking there for you a know, few months. You know, I lived in Calgary for uh, three years during the Olympics. What a great time it was. What a great city it is. And, uh, you know, I remember the sayings, if you don't like the weather, wait for an hour, it will change. But, you know, that's what I greatly miss about being in Alberta is a Chinook. Because once the uh, Ontario winter locks on, we're in it for uh, for several weeks. Whereas in Alberta, it's like every couple of weeks, it goes up to like 17 degrees and it's spring, isn't it? It, it absolutely is. But you know what? You guys need a lot of oil and natural gas than I would think to be able to fuel your cars <laughs> and heat your homes. Here and it we are comes. here to help. We are here to help. All you need to do is help us get a pipeline out there. Here it comes. Now, let's talk about this because this is obviously a massive issue uh, in the West. What are uh, the big issues? Is it oil, 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 oil? Because, man, it has a hard time penetrating in Ontario, although I must say it is making grounds finally. I must tell you it's the only issue really yeah. in this campaign. Yeah. And it's really a shame because I think that you've got Jagmeet Singh, the NDP leader, and Elizabeth May, the Green Party leader, who have polarized this issue in a way that they shouldn't have. If you're going to be a responsible politician, they are not being responsible. But number one, they're both saying that they would not um, help a coalition government unless they got the Trans Mountain Pipeline cancelled. And I can imagine, like, how would people feel in, um, in your part of the world if they said, okay, well, sorry, you don't get our agreement unless you close down every combustion engine auto plant or you close down every steel plant. I, I can't imagine a, any other industry that would be campaigned against like this at the federal level. And it seems like that, that's why everybody here feels like like we're a real target. You're living the reality of it because you, that's the industry in your part of the world. And you have seen the effects of that. Unfortunately, Ontarians 
they're oblivious to what happens uh, outside of their borders. That's just the way it's been for, for an awfully long time. But, you know, I, I don't think what Ontarians realize and what the rest of the country realizes is what this transition will take, li- uh, will, uh, what this transition will look like, how long it will, it will take to take place, and what we will all have to go through when this happens. There is a responsible way to do all of this. But as you said, we're dealing with extremes on either side, and it seems the political party of the day will pick up whatever they need in order to drive their point home. And it's a shame, you know, because initially Elizabeth May started off with a strategy that I thought was uniting for the country. When she initially announced her Mission Possible strategy, yeah. she said that we would wean ourselves off foreign oil because the Irving Refinery in New Brunswick still mm-hmm. t- still brings in uh, 100,000 barrels of oil per day, pretty close to that, from Saudi Arabia. And so our position, so when she said we will wean ourselves off foreign oil, we'll become energy independent, we will rely more on Alberta oil and gas to, to fuel the needs of the country. I think that that was a very unifying message. Something happened uh, between then and her announcing her campaign, because now she's talking about phasing out the oil sands by 2030. And I can tell you, if that's the direction that the government goes, because she holds the balance of power, that is going to cause massive national unity problems. You know, it, it's fascinating. We had Elizabeth May on the show and, and talking about her policy is, you know, we try to have all of them on uh, over the course of the election campaign. And I was asking her about about that transition period. What will that what would that look like? Like it's obvious the Greens are not going to form government in this election, but if by chance they would, uh, what would it be like as one day the, the government we have today and then transferring over in, into a, uh, a green government? What would that transition be like? And you, you don't really get any kind of answer. You don't get any kind of uh, policy beyond green. You don't hear anything about the economy. You don't hear anything on how this is uh, logically going to be done other than what you were talking about earlier. But as the election campaign moves into its into its uh, you know dying days, into its latter part, uh, again, and those sorts of issues are falling by the wayside. Can you tell me, in you know, Hamilton, do people internalize the issue the way we do here? Not seems, at all. Well, it's funny because this is how it seems. It seems like, oh, well, we'll meet our emissions targets by piling on Alberta. Whereas if this is a, going to be a national effort, it would seem to me that there should be a robust discussion in Hamilton about how how those industries are going to get greened as well. well does, the, that, that, does that even happen? The You know, it, it's funny because we've just come out of 15 years of a liberal government, uh, including the last several with Kathleen Wynne and her energy file, which drove prices through the ceiling here uh, and eventually had to be refinanced and sent down to further generations in order to bring the bills uh, more manageable. Uh, now things have completely changed with the Doug Ford government. Uh, you know, we've had people on the air that said that they'd rather have Kathleen Wynne back than they would uh, go with the Doug Ford government. So what that has done is that has intensified that debate. It, uh, you know, We think because if we, we pay a couple more cents for a carbon tax or what have you that, yeah, you know, we're good. Uh, we feel good about that. You know, everything's fine. Everything's great as we slowly get off coal and we're using uh, uh, nuclear energy here and hydroelectricity. It, it, it's, it, we haven't felt the effect that what Alberta has. And I think Ontarians are misjudging the impact that your natural resources have on the economy of this country. Well, even what you just said right there, because the conversation we're having here and the conversation we're having about how we can reduce global emissions is 
all of those polluting coal plants, let's phase them out and bring in clean natural gas. And yet natural gas in Ontario has turned into an election issue and it's controversial. It seems odd to me that you would accept nuclear and hydro over natural gas. What, what's the problem with natural gas there? Uh, there is no problem with natural gas. And you're going to see an equal, uh, an equal debate when it comes to nuclear, which is a whole other different discussion. It was interesting. There was a, a coal plant, I believe, in Western Germany. And they're in the process of taking over uh, a small town, an area with a surface mine and such. And this is the sort of problems that Europe is dealing with. And I'm thinking to myself, my goodness, here is a great reason to bring in Canadian natural resources. And instead of just trying to make us look good, Canada look good, let's help the world get off uh, coal and what have you by using the natural resources that we have to bridge that gap. Oh, Scott, some music to my ears I know I know federal office I know I know but unfortunately that message gets lost out here and I mean even prior to the election campaign starting it was all climate change all climate change all climate change and then finally once the campaign started and the blackface videos came out all of a sudden the campaign moved to affordability and we started to see more policies there's been less about climate change interesting I want to talk to you more about that are you able to comment on why people are so mad at Doug Ford we've got a new premier conservative premier we also had a change in government pretty dramatic but our premier is so popular he's actually coming to toronto and ottawa this weekend to help andrew Shear out on his campaigning it sounds like they've kept doug ford behind closed doors and not on the campaign trail and that must have something to do with this per- personal popularity there but what, absolutely what have done wrong? absolutely uh doug ford this campaign crickets you're not uh, every time uh the prime minister comes into town and does a uh, and he's been in, in, in ontario quite a bit he'll mention doug ford's name at least a, a dozen times trying to invoke that that hostility that has developed. After 15 years of liberal rule and a majority win by the Conservatives, he's now branded as uh, the bad guy. That is because he's made a lot of drastic cuts uh, specifically in a, that affected autism, which really struck a chord with a lot of Ontarians. He's been labeled as cut, 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 cut. And what they're selling here is if you don't like the cuts in Ontario and the teachers, or the sorry, the custodians have just announced uh, in the schools on Monday with CUPE that they're going on strike. The teachers are still trying to negotiate. That's all being drummed up as part of the Prime Minister's campaign here in Ontario in order to uh, try to stop Andrew Scheer from getting elected. That's interesting. Okay, I know that we got to take a break we at some take point. A do, break. I do, do you want to do that now? Do you want to throw? Yeah, we, uh, we'll take a, a quick break here. Again, this is an East-West discussion between Daniel Smith at 770 CHQR in Calgary, Alberta. I'm Scott Thompson in Hamilton, Ontario. We're coming right back. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Scott, I, I want to ask, uh, thanks for helping to clarify what's happening with Doug Ford, but d- can you give us an impression when you think about at Alberta at all, or when your listeners think about Alberta at all, what is your impression of Alberta? Because we spend a lot of time talking about Ontario and other provinces, I think because we're so impacted by decisions that are made in those other provinces. The cancellation of Energy East had a lot of com- conversation about whether or not we're understood in the East. D- 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 give us your impression. What, hey, what do you think of us? Hey, don't blame Energy East on us, man. That was Quebec. That had nothing to do with us. Good. Uh, anyway, you know what? You're not going to like the answer, Danielle. And and I, I'm saying this because I've spent time uh, living in, in Calgary, Alberta, way back when in the 80s. I'm sure it's, it's an entirely different city now. Uh, that being said... Um, and you, you, people in the West used to say this, 
uh, the center of the universe. Ontario thinks it is the center of the universe. And unfortunately, that is how, how Ontario thinks, specifically in the GTHA in and around the greater Toronto uh, area. Uh, they are aware of what's going on. Um, and again, it's not that they're snotty towards the east or the west. It's not that they don't care about what's going on. It's just such a cosmopolitan area that in its very, very fast pace that people don't know what's going on beyond the nose in their face. That being said, uh, as soon as gas prices go up as soon as this discussion, this debate uh, with your Premier Jason Kenney, certainly making headways a headway out here, uh, along with the Conservative pre- uh, Premiers that have been elected across the country. So I do not want to discourage Albertans and, don't, and, and, and lead them to believe that Ontarians don't care. They do care. They care greatly. And I've got a guy named Dave standing, on, standing by that wants to tell you guys how much he does love you. Uh, that being said, I think it just gets lost in the sauce of, of Ontarians thinking they're in the center of the universe. Well, and, and until it affects them, and until they realize what an impact uh, Alberta energy has on the rest of the country, they're trying to get the kids to hockey. Well, let me ask you this, because one of the things we talk a lot about is how do we find common cause with other provinces? And so Andrew Shear's got this idea of an economic utility corridor where you can build transmission lines so that if you get your nuclear and hydro going and you want to ship it out west with uh, electricity on transmission lines, great. If you want to have a new corridor for a new transnational highway or a new rail line up in the north to unlock some of the mining operations up in northern uh, Canada, then we're happy to do that in return turn that corridor could also be used for natural gas and and oil pipelines like these are the kind of conversations that we're having about how we can have major infrastructure projects that can build our country rather than these divisions that that continue to pull us apart is is there any discussion of that happening uh great idea my goodness we saw it with the railway we saw it with the trans canada highway that being said this discussion doesn't get to happen because it's overridden with climate change rhetoric mm-hmm. and it just keeps happening and happening and happening and that's what the west is fighting against um, look at the prime minister. Look at his energy, uh, you know, buying a pipeline and then nothing happens and, and, and so on and so forth. I mean, that is the mentality of Ontario. That is also, I'm guessing, the mentality of Quebec. So uh, the only thing I can say to Alberta is is not only do, do Ontarians have to open their eyes to how the value of the natural resources in Alberta to the rest of the country, Alberta has to also sell it more. Uh, and I'm sure you've been screaming at the top of your lungs from the mountains ever since. Um, uh, you know, the old days back in the 70s. But, but, but again, the message is getting lost in the climate change movement. Well, let's see if we can find some common ground on things that, we, we can, that both of our audience are, are interested in talking about. I'll tell you the lay of the land here in Alberta. We've got 34 seats. The latest predictions, if you look at that 338.com, which aggregates the polls, suggest all 34 of them are going to go conservative. There might be a, an NDP seat up in Edmonton that was held by Linda Duncan. She's retired now, but that's where our uh, former premier has her stronghold. So that one might go NDP. And then the we have four existing Liberal MPs, but uh, it's not looking good for any of them. Give, give us a sense of what you're seeing there. Uh, in Ontario, uh, and, and despite what you're seeing across the country with uh, the polls showing um, both the Conservatives and the Liberals relatively neck and neck within the you know, re- uh, margin of error and such. There's still regional hotspots in in uh, in Ontario where the Liberals are very strong. 
and that's why the Prime Minister is campaigning so heavily uh, in Ontario o- over the course of this campaign. So uh, the, the Liberals still have the slight lead in Ontario at this point, but again, with things going back and forth and, and, and fallout from various issues, it's going to be fascinating to see between now and the election how that pans out, but from where we sit, it's still a virtual tie. Okay, so uh, we've heard that Toronto, the 416, Toronto proper, is likely to go a split of Liberal and NDP, but they mm-hmm. keep talking about the 905 around Toronto being competitive. And, and what's happening in Hamilton? Uh, Hamilton always and has been for a long time an NDP stronghold. Uh, bits of Liberal back and forth, back and forth. Uh, conservatives don't really make a dent here at all, although Donna Skelly, of course, uh, a provincial MP with success. Um, but for the most part, it, it's it, this has been an NDP territory for a long time. And they're still expecting that to be in this ele- upcoming election here? Uh, is anybody willing to predict this uh, <laughs> election coming up because of... Uh, I'm asking you to put uh, it yeah. on the line, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, talk to me after the debate. It'll be interesting to see once that happens to uh, French debate t- uh, tonight, but eventually the the English debate next week. Uh, perhaps that will change uh, uh, the tone a bit because right now we're sort of in a lull. We're sort of in... The blackface issue is sort of settled down. We're seeing... We're hearing a lot of policy being grinded out over the last week or so. So we're, we're sort of in a, a lull right now, and I'm really not sure Canadians are paying too much attention at this point. Okay. Uh, I also need to know what's happening with the People's Party of Canada. With uh, Renata Ford is running for them, the the, the widow of a popular mayor, although a controversial you one. You know, Rob until Ford. you brought that up, I never even thought of that. Is that is, is she? It's not, even, it's not even making a dent here. Uh, the People's Party of, uh, of Canada uh, with Maxime Bernier spoke at uh, Mohawk College. A terrible situation happened here. Uh, in with uh, in which uh, anarchist left wing demonstrators stopped actually tried to stop Maxime Bernier from speaking at Mohawk College. It was actually a campaign on the Friday. He spoke on uh, last Sunday. There was a campaign on the Friday to try to get him uh, try to get Mohawk to close the doors and not even hold the event. Uh, and then the event takes place on uh, Sunday night. There's a, 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 just an incredible video out of uh, a couple who we're going to have on the show a little later on today. Oh, are you? That's going to be fascinating because yeah. I saw that video. Where yeah, the elderly anti- elderly man and woman walking across a crosswalk. She's got a walker, and and there's three or four uh, uh, left wing anarchists that are toe to toe, masks masked up to the hilt, and they're they're screaming all kinds of obscenities at the at this poor couple and not letting them pass. And it's it's like, you know, everyone's the first to point at the alt-right whenever they make asses of themselves. Yet, on the other hand, here's the alt-left. Like what you see there? Let's all come back to the center and try to have a, a, a normal discussion about all of this. But as, as far as uh, the PPC party here, I'm not really making much of a dent. Um, you know, it'll be interesting. I, I'm more concerned that they're going to steal votes from the conservatives that they would have had anyway. But and no. But as far as, as, as the uh, the wife of, of the late Rob Ford, uh, that we... I, you know, I, I forgot that she was even running for the party until you mentioned so it. So you're not expecting a breakthrough. No. There will be no great breakthrough for the Greens in Alberta. If you're they're campaigning on shutting down the oil sands, forget it. It's zero. Go. Big goose egg. What about there? Um, no, you know, it's interesting because the Greens took off uh, at the beginning of this campaign and it looked like uh, the NDP was dead in the water. Uh, and now as time has gone by, it seems that the dreams uh, the Greens are slipping a little bit. Uh, and uh, Jagmeet Singh has seemed to got some traction in regard to, the, again, the situation with the blackface and how he handled that. So uh, Greens, uh, you know, I think a lot of, uh, you know, it'll be, see, it'll be interesting to see who steals their policy. But yeah, I, I'm not sure they're going to make, I mean, any ground that they do make will be good because they're literally starting from nothing. But at the end of the day, I, I can't see them uh, having that much of an impact. 
Uh, I'm going to play a, a quick call. This is Dave that's on the line, and I think he has a message that maybe uh, uh, some Albertans are willing to hear. Dave, go ahead. What are your thoughts? Hang on. Dave, go ahead. What are your thoughts to Calgary? Well, for Calgary and Alberta, and good morning and good afternoon to everybody, the pipeline is a must, period. Um, and a lot of people I talk to out here feel the same way. Um, I don't know what these, uh, I don't know what Kool-Aid these politicians are drinking, but if they wanted to enact what they want to do, it would bankrupt this country before they'd ever achieve their objective. Oh, Dave, music to my ears. Thank you. There you we, go. We love Thank what you, you're Dave. saying. We've got Owen, Steve, Robert, Norm, and John on the line here. Let's go with Owen. Owen, what's your thought today? Well, happy to hear from that caller in Ontario. And, uh, Danielle, just wanted to say, Ontario's got $120 billion worth of debt. And without a pipeline, we can't afford to pay. Oh, well, I, I think I think we're getting you. Unfortunately, your your reception's not great, but he he's uh, kind of drawing the distinction between like everybody's got a debt problem. We all got to work together for going to generate enough revenues to be able to get the money that we need to pay for all the programs that are being promised. Ontario needs to hear this, Danielle, and and it's great because I, I think it's a chance for Ontarians to hear what it's like in another part of the country that isn't being enveloped with the rhetoric that they're hearing here. And okay. again, I think it's time that both sides of these discussions are, are heard. Yeah, let me just go to Steve because we weren't able to hear Owen very clearly. Steve, go ahead. What's your thought today? Um, I start out by saying that I'm, I was actually born in Ontario, uh, spent my youth in Ontario, lived in Quebec for many years, so um, currently living in Calgary. Uh, I'd just like to tell the people, my family back east and the people of Canada, and, and for you guys too, kudos on you doing this. Do more of this. Um, if Justin Trudeau gets re-elected in this country after everything that he has done, the people that I'm talking to and the sentiment out here is that Canada is finished as we know it. Alberta, Saskatchewan, at, at the very least, do not want to be part of this country anymore if this country is going to elect somebody that is so grossly incompetent, so grossly, I would say, criminally negligent. I mean, the things that he has done, uh, you know, the unfair uh, distribution of seats in Canada, the transfer Mm. payments, blocking the pipelines, you know, his $10.5 million uh, payment to uh, Omar Khadr, the terrorist that's currently living in D.C., walking free, opening the borders to, to economic migrants. Steve, I know this is going to be a really long list. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, his, his Mr. Dress-Up tour around the world, <laughs> the, the nonsense, the, the climate change nonsense, if people are willing to put this, and, and, and I respect the office of Prime Minister, but I have zero respect for Justin Trudeau. Steve, thank he, you. He is grossly incompetent. Steve, let's uh, let's get some reaction as well from Hamilton. But that uh, I think he it's interesting. He's a transplant from Ontario, and he represents what a lot of Albertans are saying, is that how can we have a country that works if we have all of these barriers, if we're not acting as a country? And there's a lot of people willing to give up on it. Uh, let me ask this question, uh, because when we think of separation, we think of Quebec, because that seems to be uh, historically where the battle lies, and, and, and we all have opinions of that. But how how great is the sediment in in Alberta to separate, how, how how large is this issue? How serious is this issue? Late, latest polls suggest as high as 
I think it's lower because Jason Kenney got elected and is promising to have a, a referendum on right. equalization. This is the issue, right, is that it, it's sort of a twin issue. If Alberta is able to do well, if we're able to get our economy back on track, if we're making money, we have no problem sharing with the rest of the country. But to be blocked at being able to generate wealth and then be told by Quebec, keep the money coming anyway, and, uh, they, and the reliance that they have on equalization, that's, I think, just a, a bridge too far for Albertans. They, they're feeling abused, and I think they're feeling an unappreciated and i think it'll blow over if it doesn't get addressed uh i think that uh once ontarians start to uh consider alberta separation as seriously as uh, quebec separation has dominated headlines over several decades uh, perhaps maybe that will change the tune interesting note from uh, rob says hi scott unfortunately i think it's the media that thinks ontarians don't think outside their borders but i think this is incorrect uh i talked to many people who think the oil and gas issues are very important and that the liberal uh and that the liberals and the so-called environmentalists have failed us the problem is if you talk about this with with certain people, you are labeled as anti-climate change. So much for free, uh, free speech. I think that's an issue too, and it's something that has really, really embedded itself in Ontario. Is it has become a land of extremes, and that's what we saw at the at the Bernier issue with uh, at Mohawk College, uh, with the extreme left that was that was protesting there. Uh, this is this seems to be what's getting the attention in Ontario. It's either the far right for doing this, or the far right for doing, or sorry, the far left for doing that and there doesn't seem to be any sort of consensus or any sort of uh, of will to even come to the center and, and find a leader that can represent everybody and 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 move the country uh, in a direction that looks after both sides of well this you must be doing a good job because you've got two very intelligent listeners who just weighed in and showed how much they care about our province and I can tell you it's appreciated here let me uh, let me go to Robert who's on the line next Robert go ahead what's on your mind Hey guys, uh, listen, thanks so much, uh, Scott and Danielle, for doing what you're doing. And thanks to the lads uh, from Ontario that are saying those nice things. Um, we just had a record snowfall here in Alberta, uh, southern Alberta. I saw some guys on snowmobiles on YouTube, and they were buried under snow. Like, it was a couple of, almost meters, I think it was like a, not meters, but 90, 90 centimeters of snow. So I'm not sure the whole global warming thing is uh, really heating up the way they thought it would. Well, Robert, it certainly doesn't resonate as much here as it might in other parts of the of the country. If you want to weigh in, one, once again, 905-645-3221 is the number to call in Hamilton. You can keep on calling us here, 403-974-8255. Do you have uh, another call or another text to read, Scott? No, we're good for now. My but, issue that I wanted to to touch on, though, is over and above, like, is it is it all energy? Is there anything else that's, that... that, that uh, people have to say about this prime minister over and above uh, the oil and gas industry and just being ignored well, is let, that let, the central issue let me let me get uh, norm to answer that question norm what what do you think what uh, what's on your mind today well i would just like to first of all say to thank you to the people of ontario that have some common sense and realize what alberta's going through another four years of justin trudeau and i agree with scott said earlier on that that idiot, he shouldn't be reelected. He is nothing but a clown, and he's incompetent, as Scott said. And if we continue to to elect him, and it's going to be won or lost in Ontario. And I'd like to ask the people of Ontario another thing. I'd like to ask them. They they got rid of uh, Kathleen Wynne. They got you know, and they had Dalton McKinty, who ran that province into the ground financially. And Ford comes in and tries to make some cuts. Does Ontario do they not balance their bank book? I mean, how much longer do they think they can? 
run that debt up. It's, it's over $12 billion a year in interest payments alone. Norm, thank you for that. Like That's, I guess, the other part is out here, the issue of fiscal responsibility. Can we afford everything that the politicians are promising? That, that's that's uh, high on our list because we've got a, pro- a premier who wants to get us back into balanced budget. So I think people are expecting the same at the federal level. Is that an issue at all? Uh, <laughs> you know, um, uh, it, it seems that uh, Albertans seem to be a bit more fiscally responsible, uh, responsible than Ontarians seem to be. As I mentioned, uh, Kathleen Wynne and a Liberal government with McGuinty before that, uh, there you go. The results are there. Uh, Doug Ford comes in. He stri- tries to make cuts, tries to make adjustments, uh, reduce, uh, re- uh, increases the class sizes, uh, things like that, and people are just flipping out. So it appears in Ontario we want our cake and we want to be able to uh, eat it too. Interesting but- question from Frank here, if I can squeeze this yeah, in before the break. Frank's asking, how do Albertans feel about the foreign investment to uh, a foreign investment to ultimate foreign ownership happening there. How do you feel about other people coming in and buying up the industry? Well, you know what? Let's see if we can get one of our callers to answer that question. I can offer some insights, but let's take a quick pause. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. A quick email. Uh, hi, hey, Scott, if Alberta and the Prairies decide to separate, I hope Ontario joins them. Uh, for far too many years, Quebec has been the tail that has been wagging the dog. The last few years, BC has uh, tried to put the second tail on that dog named Canada. There you Holy go. cow, we're going to get something started. To I answer know. your question, I've got somebody saying we are desperate for investment dollars. We are having the opposite problem. We used to be able to, to, to attract billions of dollars in investments, and now we can't. And so we see, we see the, the issue of foreign investment a little bit differently than you might in Ontario. We'd love to see a return. All right, uh, well, we'll go to the phones here, 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell here in Hamilton. Uh, Bill is on the line. Bill, what's your question? What's your thought for Calgary, Alberta? Well, I'm one of the uh, proud owners of a T-shirt from the early 80s that had <laughs> blue-eyed shakes in the front, being in Alberta, of course, and basically inviting those so-and-so posteriors in the East, yourselves yep. included, to freeze in the dark. Yeah. I also am hearing a very similar refrain from our redneck neighbors in this area. Danielle's sort of on the fringe of those people that um, are inviting the people in British Columbia to do the same thing. We're going to turn off your taps, guys. And so that that lack of ability in Alberta to actually get along with the rest of the country on this particular issue and uh, pig-headedness has led me to believe that there's a real need to reopen the National Energy Program debate and basically put those people on the sidelines and get some rational academics involved and make sure that it happens with mm, proper national interests involved. All right, Bill, thanks uh, for the call. Danielle, I, you, know, think, you want to weigh I in on that? I think Bill's right. I mean, like, the, the, I think that sometimes politicians say thing not, th- things not realizing how long it's going to last, how much hurt feelings there's going to be. I would tell you that whatever sentiment was expressed years ago, it's not the sentiment being expressed today. I think part of it is we have to find some way for economic survival. We want to find ways to work in partnership with our, our friends and neighbors. It's just our friends and neighbors don't seem to want to work in partnership with us these days. All right, let's get back to the phone. John's on the line. John, what are your thoughts for Calgary, Alberta? My thoughts are, I think voters have to really think uh, we're not just voting for a prime minister for internal affairs. We're, we're voting for a prime minister that needs to represent Canada and all the global affairs that have to do with that. We need someone that's competent, that can go up against the U.S., China, Russia, 
Middle Eastern countries. Right now, we're a joke in their eyes. They're not taking Canada seriously whatsoever. We need someone that could represent Canada and deal with the leaders of these other countries. That's what voters have to think about. Who is best to do that? That's a great comment. You know, that, John, Thanks, John. could have been, John could have been a, one of my callers. I do actually have a John who's lined up who wants to talk about uh, some issues, too. Let's go to him on the line as well. John, go ahead. What's your thought today? Um, just uh, thank you, Danielle and Scott, for doing what you're doing. This is great to have this open dialogue. And sitting watching the TV media over the last few weeks, uh, everything seems to be filtered in one direction. I may have the wrong perception of that. But with, with you two, obviously the people that are, most of the people are listening in, and they're the converted. Mm. But the thing that people tend to really pay attention, especially those that don't have a good understanding, full understanding of the issues, they get most of it from the TV media. And I don't know how we break through so that there is, you know, journalistic integrity that doesn't sway us to what is happening in the U.S. John, thank you for that. Um, I, I don't know if your callers share that frustration. I mean, I think that the print media, especially when you look at some of the work the Globe and Mail has done in breaking stories, I think they've done a tremendous job of being a watchdog on both political parties. Yeah. But there is a concern some some have about bias. Do you, do you get calls like that too? Absolutely. And, well, there was a, uh, a, a study out just either this week or the week before in regard to science, and, and people are now questioning whether uh, science is valid or not, whether science, uh, they're viewing scientists as the elite. And and that's because, you know, no matter what the political party is, each one is using the science to best fit their own agenda. And again, it's become team politics instead of what's great for the country. I think you might be making reference to that article that said it's okay to eat beef. And I can tell you that resonated loud (laughs) and clear in Alberta. Well, I'm coming out there for an Alberta beef barbecue. I'm all in for that. I love it. I've got Brad and Gary and Tim on the line. Do you've got some uh, calls that you want to put in as well? Uh, keep going. Uh, I'll get you there in a second. Go you ahead. got it. We got Brad on the line from Edmonton. Brad, what's on your mind today? I'm trying to hit a home run here. You know, oh shoot, I'm, I'm still, uh, sorry. Brad, Brad, let me come back to you. We've got Gary on the line. Gary, go ahead. What's on your mind today? Hi, I'll be real quick. And I love that that private enterprise is bringing Canadians together where the government is failing miserably. Like you know, I was thinking the exact same thing. You know, well, kudos to us. Guys. Yeah, there you go. I uh, just got back from a week and a half in southern Ontario visiting family. North of uh, Toronto, uh, I was wearing my Make uh, Trudeau uh, Drama Teacher t-shirt. I wore that the whole time. Everybody up north of Toronto, right on, brother. Um, but I was surprised at the number of people down in southern Ontario yep. who don't seem to have any idea of how serious this is and how how many people out west, me included a lot of time, want to separate and we and I had some long conversations and so on a Saturday night I wore that t-shirt into the belly of the beast which is downtown Toronto and I was surprised that a young waitress in a restaurant gave me a high five took my picture said I'm putting this on Facebook and had a group of young men walk by me somewhere down on wherever downtown Toronto is and I thought oh 
they came up and they said, we love your T-shirt. Thank you. And they all gave me high five. Holy cow, Gary, you might have met the only conservatives in uh, in on, or in or downtown Toronto. Yeah, you must have. And I'm thinking either that or they knew you were a tourist because if they thought you were from Ontario, who knows what would have happened to you. But no, you're very, very accurate in the sense that if you go up into uh, cottage country, into rural Ontario, uh, it's very much a different picture than it is down in the urban areas. That's well, for sure. That's so funny because in rural Alberta, that's where you get your strongest conservative support. I almost, it, it seems like it's the opposite there. Maybe that's where you get more of your NDP support? Uh, no. In the in, in the urban areas, in the built-up areas, you're going to see more liberal, more NDP, NDP support. As you get to the rural areas, and this is specifically around because of the energy file uh, and the energy costs that they're paying, uh, costs that they're paying, because in rural areas of, uh, of southern Ontario, uh, not a lot of them receive natural gas. So therefore, they're heating their homes on electricity. That's gone up uh, through, the, through yeah. the sky in the last little while. So uh, you're seeing, no, most of the rural areas, uh, conservative. You get down into the lower city into the cities and the built-up areas, then it becomes more liberal and more independent. That makes sense. Uh, I'll go back to Brad. Brad, go ahead. What's on your mind today? Climate change is actually a creation to mess up everybody's brains to believe what isn't true. I mean, we all know what it was like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. We didn't think the way we thought now. I mean, it's in our school. It's in our in our media and stuff. It's, it's actually shooting things that are just make no sense. I mean, it's been, it was designed to destroy all industries, agriculture, the auto industry, coal, oil, gas, forestry, all the industries in Canada, was that's what it's all about, was climate change, and that, that was a big idea. So now the whole country is going to be broke because of, because of climate change, because it's absolutely illogical. Brad, thank you for that. Brad is very concerned about the UN agenda and the fact that it has impact on every single one of our industries. Do, do, do you get that you, fear there too? Uh, but I think the issue more in Ontario is people can agree that the climate is changing, that the climate is different. What they don't agree on is how to go about tackling it. Uh, and, and in Ontario, we don't believe, well, what we're seeing now is taxation. And, and taxation, tax, taxation, taxation. I don't think the answer. The answer is research and development and using the natural resources that we have to help fund that. Uh, we have to transition. This is a long transition period. It's not well, something that's happening overnight. Scott, we're going to end on a note of total agreement. It's been such a pleasure talking with you. I hope we can do this again sometime. Danielle, thank you so much. Much appreciated. We here in Hamilton are very happy to participate anytime. And thanks, to so, much, uh, thanks so much for the great people of Calgary, Alberta. You got it. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. All right. Uh, earlier this week, we were chatting about, uh, well, I guess we've talked about this incident a couple of times. It started on Friday when we talked to Mohawk College because uh, they were getting requests from people to not hold the event that uh, they had booked in there for Sunday night, which was, I guess, a series of speakers and including Maxime Bernier of the People's Party of Canada. So that was set up for for Sunday night. I remember talking to Mohawk College uh, on the Friday and the concerns in regard to uh, people wanting this canceled. They, of course, said, no, there's, you know, again, at the end of the day, this person is on uh, the leadership debate. He is on the televised leadership debate. So why would uh, Maxime Bernier not be allowed to speak at uh, any sort of function, just like any other uh, leader? And, of course, there was concerns uh, about protests that might happen and that, uh, I guess, more police and security were added as a result of that. 
Fast forward to about Tuesday, maybe late Monday, I guess Monday, um, uh, slowly a story started to surface about what happened at that event and the protests that were going on. Uh, And we often hear of protests between the left and right and such, and more specifically focused on the alt-right and 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 how damaging they can be. Hence, the protesters, I guess, showing up to counter what uh, this this uh, rally was all about. So we saw a video that eventually surfaced of uh, a man and a woman, uh, two seniors who were crossing a crosswalk and trying to get into Mohawk to to be a part of this event, to witness and listen to what uh, this person had to say. And as they were trying to cross the crosswalk, as we see in the video, um, some uh, left-wing uh, anarchists, uh, Antifa, whatever, all stood toe-to-toe in front of uh, this couple and literally blocked them from crossing the crosswalk. Uh, the women of which, the woman of which, has a walker. So, and then they started screaming obscenities at these people, calling them Nazis and all sorts of other stuff. And it was just, it was an unbelievable display uh, to see happen. And unfortunately, I feel that when this happens on the left, and I am not catering to any extreme, I would invite both the alt-right and the alt-left to come and meet us in the center where the majority of us are, and we'll discuss these issues like adults. But what often happens is if this was a yellow vest, it would be all over the news, but because it's a left-wing anarchist, we hear very little about it. Finally, people on social media started publishing these videos of this couple trying to cross the road. And as a result of that, now there's a police investigation and we'll see if charges will be laid. I want to introduce you now to Dorothy. It was her and her husband, Brian, who were harassed by those protesters as they were trying to get into as they were trying to get into this event. So joining us now is Dorothy and Brian. Hi, Dorothy. Are you there? I am here. Thank you. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. We appreciate this. Well, I... I appreciate the fact that I can actually share some of this with you. So tell us what happened, Dorothy. Well, I am an F, and I've always been this way. I was taught as a child, when there's an election, you find out what the people stand for. Mm-hmm. Now, I must tell you, I watched the CBC News. I watched the different stations, the news, Mm -hmm. and there was nothing about him. Sometimes it just, uh, that is Maxime Bernier, I just passed the camera quickly by him. Mm -hmm. And I could not learn anything about the man or about his policies or anything. And I felt cheated because I depend on the media to to share the information that was not coming. So then I heard he was coming to speak at Bohawk College. So uh, myself and my dear husband uh, drove up there, and uh, there were a lot of people around with signs and so on, and... Um, I thought, oh, this is, this is very interesting. So I, we got out of the car, and I 
walked with my walker because I, I did have a stroke a few years ago, and it affected my walking. So I walked at thinking that I would have to get up higher behind these people that were standing in a row. And when I got there, if I went to move, they would move. Mm. And they were blocking my entrance, my civil rights to go and hear what was being said. And I, it was upsetting to me, but I kept on trying, and there was no way they would let me through. So I turned and came back, and, and I was so upset. And I thought to myself, in fact, I think get it out. Not, I can't believe mm. that this would be happening in my country. Um, you know, my ancestors came here in 1846 or 47, and, and primarily from Ireland, but on, on the other side, my mother's side, was from England. And, and I've always been taught to find out what these people are running for. And so that, for that reason, because there was no that I could find any way mm-hmm. um, information on the media about his policies and so on. So that's why I was determined to go and hear him speak. So when you started to go across that road there and they started to block you... It, it was terrible. How many, how many were there blocking you? Oh, God. There was a, a row of people. I, I, I don't know, maybe 10, 12. Mm-hmm. Or, or, I don't know. My, my husband is saying... Five. Oh, mm-hmm. he said there were five right. people. And what but did they look like? What's happening? I didn't count. <laughs> yeah, what did they look like, Dorothy? What were they wearing? What did they look like? Well, they were actually wearing balaclavas. Uh, balaclavas mm-hmm. over their heads, and all you could see was the eyes. So they didn't want to be identified, mm-hmm. which no, I, I thought that was terribly uh, not right. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, anyway, uh, and then I would go to move beyond them, and then they would block me. And and so, as a result, I didn't get through that line. I turned, and I came back. But I must admit, I started to cry because mm. even now when I think about I was just, I, I just couldn't believe this was happening in my country mm. where you depend on freedom of speech and, and learning and sharing, and, and that was not happening. And uh, so I, I just, we, we did get in to hear him speak, but I must say my hearing sometimes is not great inside of Delstroke, hmm. but uh, I heard a little, but I, I couldn't hear. Like, if I hadn't been able to get through those people, uh, if they had moved 
I would have been able to have a better seat. Right. So I could hear what he was saying. But we did end up sitting at the very back of the theater at Mohawk. So how, where were police when this was happening, when these people were blocking you? Were there were any police around? There were a lot of police around, but I don't think there were any there immediately right. watching what was happening. And uh, or maybe they did from a distance, but they didn't come to tell the people it was illegal what they were doing. You do not block free speech, and you do not. It's in our Charter of Rights, that in our Constitution, we have a right to listen and to and to hear and to make up our own minds. And and if you don't hear what someone has to say, you don't know how to vote properly. So that was my reason, and and that and I, and I was I must say I, I was very upset because uh, I mean I've lived a long time in all my life I was born and raised here and I've never been so shocked and, and I just wanted to cry because no. Just because my heart was broken, and that's that's what happened. How how did you yelling? Yeah, what were they yelling at you? They were like things like fascist, and uh, and I think the Second World War, what the fascists were really like. Mm. Uh, My God, and and uh, and and that's that's it. These people who were there, they seemed to be organized because they were these uh, balaclavas over their heads yeah. and, and all that. I don't think they were very well educated because if they were, they would have known that they were using fascist tactics yeah. to stop me from... Mm-hmm speaking or listening or mm-hmm. hearing what was being said. Hmm. So uh, I don't know what more I can How did you eventually say. how did you eventually get in Dorothy? How did you eventually get well, into the front doors? There was a a ramp sort of and there were some pe- people from Mohawk I guess and at the bottom and they opened that and so I, I was able to walk up that ramp. Did these people who stopped you try to stop other people from getting in? I didn't see anybody. I didn't see anyone. But that is maybe because there were no others right Right then. I, I really didn't even question. I never thought about that. Any idea how long it took from the time that these people tried to stop you at first and you actually did get into the building? Oh, my goodness. It seemed like a long time for me uh, because I was so upset and everything. But it was probably, what, 10 Mm -hmm. or 15 minutes, something like that. And I I had to push my walker up this sort of a hill um, um, so I 
but to see where those people were standing, it probably would have been easier to to get up to the end right. entrance way. But the way I went up, I uh, it was a kind of a steep hill, but and it was but it was uh, roped off, so I didn't have to worry. I don't think those people came there. Right. So were there a lot of other protesters there as well, or did it just seem to be these ones that were harassing you? Well, they seemed to be all together, but I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. And and it seemed that they were, um, what is the word I'm looking for? It seems that they were organized. Right. And uh, And I don't know. What have police said to you about this? Well, they they didn't say anything to me after we came out from hearing, not that I heard much of it, but anyway, this speech, uh, uh, there were some police around, and I just remember they were very nice, and and they seemed to be very supportive, but that, that, that was really all. Now, tell, Dorothy, what are you thinking now that there's been so much response now that this video has surfaced of you and your husband trying to get in? Well, well I'm, I must say I'm shocked. I didn't expect this. Um, and uh, I, I, you know, in retrospect, um, I just, uh, no, I did not expect any publicity whatsoever that night. We just went home, and I showered, went to bed, woke mm. up in the morning, and then I guess my son phoned, and I, I, it was just, it, it sort of, I've had different interviews, much like this, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I'm really stunned by the whole thing. But, but you know, I, I now that I think about it, it's a good thing because I don't think people realize that we have to protect our civil rights, our right to speak, and and the Charter of Rights. All those things are so important to our constitutional rights in this country that I, I love. My, my ancestors came here in 18... 18- Forty-seven, and and uh, and my dad was a, a, a wonderful example and exponent of, of of learning who you're going to vote for. Mm-hmm. So you were just you were just trying to learn who the candidates were here. That's all you were trying to do. That's right. Yeah. And but and and I don't think you, you can really vote. Uh, Properly without knowing what they're saying and all the rest. And I have to tell you this, the media and, um, and, and even the CBC, which I expect more from, or as much from, uh, did not uh, give any information. And, and I would watch the news and the camera would just your time just quickly passed by yeah. uh, his this Maxine Bernier 
And I'm thinking, what on earth is this all about? And why am I being not giving the information? Mm. And then somebody said, uh, you know, he was, he's got policies against uh, immigration and everything. And I, I looked into that a bit. And I did not find he, he was against immigration. What I found uh, was that, that uh, the, like, okay, there was so, the, the problems in the Middle East and mm. Syria, and, and it's frightening. So when, when people come, then I would like to know their values. And are we going to be protected by that from that? Mm-hmm. And 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 I think that maybe there should be some to find out some of the values that people are bringing with them. Dorothy, what meant, obviously now, Dorothy, because of this and because of the video, uh, you certainly are making a mark. You certainly are getting the message out that, you, you know, you're, you're just trying to find out more information. What do you want people, because we're going to wrap this up now, what do you want people to take away from this? What do you want Canadians to know about your experience and what I happened? Think, I think the most important thing is that the recognition that in this country, we have freedom to speak, freedom to hear, so we can learn, and and all that kind of thing. It's, it's the cornerstone of our country, and we must protect it. And I did not even myself realize how much it needs protection until I saw what was happening the other night. Well, Dorothy, you certainly have made an impact. Uh, you have become one of those figures that people look at and listen to and learn from. So congratulations for that. I mean, although it was a terrible experience for you, boy, oh boy, I think we're all learning a lot from this. Yes. Well, I, I thank you. And, uh, and I, God bless this country. All right, and Dorothy. Free speech. Dorothy, thank you so much uh, for joining us and sharing the story. Uh, We greatly appreciate it. Uh, Again, Dorothy and her husband, Brian, were trying to attend the event at uh, Mohawk College where Maxime Bernier was speaking, and they were stopped from entering, uh, crossing a crosswalk uh, while Dorothy was trying to maneuver with her walker and literally screamed at and berated and what have you and prevented from entering into the building. And unfortunately... We didn't find out about it till a full 24 hours later. This is certainly something has to be done to bring the extremes on both sides, the alt-right and the alt-life, uh, alt-left together. These people do not represent the majority of Canadians. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML. This is the Scott Thompson Podcast, available on Apple Podcast and Google Podcasts or wherever you get yours. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review so you don't miss a thing. I'm Scott Thompson, and thanks for listening.